Okay. We can, oh, I need to start the recording. Oh, Jack started it. Yeah, All right. So welcome to the third class of six. Um, today I want to. Today we're going to focus eventually on uh, conversational evangelism. So for those that are uh, new to the class, um, we'll kind of grow and shrink a little bit. Um, I've modeled this class a little bit off of Dr. North's. Um, book called Evangelizing Your Community, called it a total evangelistic uh, model, a church model, and we talked about on the first um, class, I won't go through it again, but you guys can go hit the website and listen to it, but six concentric circles that feed into a, a bullseye, and that bullseye, actually the, the, the uh, I'm trying to say, the circle right outside the bullseye is actually teaching the gospel to the individual, and then the, the bullseye then is conversion with follow-up. So um, I like the idea of, of conversion and follow-up as a bullseye because it talks about following up. Sometimes we get so excited that we dump them in the water, we forget to come back and check on them you know, as they grow spiritually and then see where they are. So um, you know, we talked that we're not going to get much into teaching the gospel and the conversion and follow-up because David Roberts, I believe, is teaching uh, next six weeks, and he's going to start talking about how we can have those conversations with those people in our lives. So, last week we talked, we went through the Great Commission. We talked about the Great Commission, looking at um, Matthew and Mark's accounts, and how at the end, um, Jesus just says go. He doesn't say if you want to go, he just says go. And he tells us to go to all nations preaching, uh, making disciples, baptizing, um, and all those actions. So with that, we, I want to bring back up the conversation that we kind of ended with. We rushed it just a little bit at the end. And I just asked the question in general, um, as a church or an individual, so you could take this from either, either perspective, do we have an issue with the, with the Great Commission, the command of go? And so we started talking a little bit. Um, Ricky pulled up a really good point. That was actually um, a video I watched. Someone had sent me... Um, a video Matt Dabbs have, has done, and I didn't know about this place at all, so if you guys are curious of hitting it up, um, go hit it on the internet. It's called wineskins.org, um, W-I-N-E-S-K-I-N-S.org. It's actually a Church of Christ publication. Um, it's been around for, according to the website, for a long time. And um, they have contributors that, uh, it's a periodical that people contribute to and write articles on, and they reached out into YouTube to do videos, and at one point I think they had some social media. Uh, I don't know if it's still being used, but all I have to say, Matt Dabbs is, um, I think he's kind of heading it up right now, but he had seven reasons why we fail at evangelism as a church. Um, I only wrote five of them down because I wrote the ones that I've seen in my lifetime um, as just growing up in the church, and Ricky hit the first one, I think, before we left last week, which was we undermine the authority of Scripture as Christians. So people today have kind of undermined Scripture and how it applies to my life, right? So we've taken the um, applicability of commands sometimes, and we say, I want to follow that one, eh, maybe not that one. I want to follow that one, but eh, maybe not that one. So what we do is we devalue the idea of Scripture in our life. Um, and so at some point in time, it just becomes another religious document. Um, maybe the Bible's equivalent to this book that I just read. I, it's good stuff, but it's up to me if I want to follow it or not. Um, number two, we go academic slash philosophical versus practical faith. Um, Matt said, 
when we run the gambit of going through, looking at commentaries, going deep into philosophical um, you know, discussions of religion, which by the way is very good, um, I encourage it. It helps kind of deepen your own strength, your own religion, your own understanding of religion. But what we have to be careful of when we do that is we build up this philosophical discussion and sometimes we lose the practicality of it. I'd rather be over here, and we know people in our lives that do this all the time. I'd rather be over here in this corner discussing, debating, talking, right? But then I forget about, oh, I need to go do, right? So sometimes we lose the practicality of our faith by doing that. And we need to be aware of that as we study, remember that we need to go do it and apply it to our lives as well. Number three, sometimes the gospel's confusing. I think we've said this almost in all three classes. At least I think I've said it now in all three classes. Um, sometimes when we talk to people, and we're going to have an example of this today in our class, we'll forget to it. Um, where do you start? And everybody that we deal with, every person we talk to in evangelism, we're going to probably start at a different point, would be my guess. Right? So, what do you, what do you focus on? Do you focus this up? Do you, I mean, ultimately, you're going to end up with Jesus came to this earth to die, you know, was resurrected, um, you know, eternal salvation. That's where we're going to end up. But how do you start that conversation? So, keep, hold on, can we, I'm going to do the last three, and then I'm going to open it up for hopefully mass discussion. Last, or last two, trained on evangelism. Uh, just as Christians and typical, um, I think I brought it up in the last class. Um, the last evangelistic class that I took was actually with uh, David Roper's father when he was around. And I don't know how, I'm guessing 10 years, 10 years plus ago is when we said. Just as, as Christians, I don't know why. And maybe this is my perception, put it on to you guys. I just sometimes think we shy away from that topic. And I think the reason why is this, this last point is because I think as as a church, we've set up, um, I don't know how to phrase that, as humans in the church, we have set up a poor model of um, Christians. So how are we, I think we've set it up that you're a good Christian if you do X, Y, and Z, but we kind of sometimes forget about that great command, right? We forget about God told us to go do, so are we asking each other, hey, what have you done this week to evangelize? Are we holding each other accountable for our evangelistic efforts? So those were kind of five things, that he, and he had two more I can't remember about. Uh, I think one was um, a poor model as a church. Do we only, as a church, do we only um, evangelize by sending money to missionaries out in a foreign land, and we call that evangelism? It is, that is evangelism, but the, we, by doing that, though, we forget the whole part of we have a local evangelistic effort that we need to do as well. And that, that sending, if I send my X amount of dollars out to the missionary out in the field, that does not neglect my command to go to evangelize myself. So, I mean, I can't remember the, the, the seventh one, but um, thoughts. Do you guys agree, disagree with any of those? Do you guys think of more? Ricky, I don't know if you remember. Our starting point is not determined by what we want to do. It, it, it's determined by where the person is that we're trying to talk to. 
because our starting point is going to be different if it's a denominational person that already believes in God, already believes in Jesus, but is doctrinally askew as to talking to a person that believes, yeah, there may be a God, but this Bible's old, and then there's the other extreme of doesn't believe in anything. And that's the point. Our approach has to be different. Absolutely. Yeah, you start where they are, right? Um, yeah, because Jesus said go, right? And then Jesus even sets the example of who's eating dinner with the sinners. He goes to where they are. He goes to have those conversations with them. And he has, he starts those conversations, like you said, um, where where they are, their understanding. We'll find out today if we get to it in Acts 17. Um, Paul does the same thing in Athens. Good point. What else? On the starting point, I think what we do and what we study every day, because it doesn't do me any good to start where someone is if I haven't said and done the things that's going to make somebody want to hear what I have to say about Jesus. Right. Um, totally agree. And so as, as part of those uh, circles in his model, he has one called Christian Living, right? And um, a very good point. Um, where they talk about, <laughs> well, the example we threw up in the first class was Amanda has a coworker that sent out an email that says, hey, my church is, this is at Christmas time, my church is uh, taking care of the following families. If you want to donate, you know, here's how you donate. And uh, there, are very, there are several in her uh, work that were shocked that she went to church. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's where you're starting from, you're already starting in a hole that you've got to dig yourself out of. Right, so if you're not walking the walk, it, it, sometimes it's tough, and it's a good reminder for us to to um, note that you know, how how do I conduct myself in the outside world? Does that mean I have to be perfect? No, but even when I'm not perfect, that's a good launching point to have a conversation with somebody to explain to them why I'm not perfect. I still struggle, but here's what I have. Right, and we start talking about God's redemption or GPS. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Man, Matt Dobbs nailed it on the head. You guys all agree, wow. I thought there'd be some more discussion about that. All right. So, as we get into evangelism, um, it's no-brainer. Conversation's going to have to occur, right? In some form or fashion. We can't even blame, you know, technology. Even, you know, if... If you don't do a face-to-face -face with somebody, you want to do it behind the keyboard, you're still having a conversation behind the keyboard with somebody, right? So evangelism involves this idea of, of conversation. So um, Dr. North, actually, as he kind of framed this whole thought, this concept of, of conversational evangelism, he went to Colossians. So let's go ahead and read Colossians real quick. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, I'm going to read uh, verses 2 through 6 for you guys. <coughs> Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Oh yeah, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open um, up at us a door for the word, so that we, we may speak forth the mysteries of Christ, 
for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may uh, make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsider, outsiders, making the most of, that, of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So my question to you guys, what, what's Paul asking for in those verses? He has about five or four things down. Prayer. He says pray, right? Pray for what? Opportunity. Pray for opportunity in verse 3. Pray for, what was that? I was just saying door to open. Door to open. Thanksgiving. Pray for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. With an attitude of Thanksgiving. Oh, with an attitude, yeah, yeah. How to pray. So that's kind of like put a positive spin on it, right? Not a dear God, I gotta go evangelize. Would you please, you know, open up? You know, no. <laughs> they're happy that they get to do this. There's a, a sense of joy. He asks for you to make it clear when you're praying, so I can make it clear who I'm speaking to, so they can understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So not only pray for the opportunity, but when I have those opportunities, pray that the words that I speak are clear to the individual, right? And sometimes that's tough. What else? Um, wisdom, or uh, how to best utilize the opportunity, whatever time he's, he's given here, he asks for prayer of that. Yep. Take, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Make the most out of every opportunity, right? And be wise to know how to make the most out of that opportunity. Absolutely. The picture I have is like every morning you're starting off at the start line of a race, like a sprint. And like all the work that you've done up to that point gets you to the starting line. And the prayer is the shotgun that when you're headed off for your day. Absolutely. It's like a lot of prep work yeah. to get to the start line, and then, yeah. <laughs> yep, you're That's right. every morning. <laughs> and what's verse 6 say? Pray to know what to say. Know what to say, and also what, how, how, how to respond. How to respond, and I like, what's the, uh, what's the vision, you guys? What, what words does he use, at least in my, my version? May, uh, Gracious. Gracious and seasoned with what? Salt. Salt. Does that bring back any kind of uh, commands or thoughts to you guys? What What does it mean to have my word seasoned with salt? It means speak, you know, about the things that you don't really want to, the things that are wrong. Identify those things. And that's what it means to me. It means, yeah. you know, you don't have to degrade them, but you have to acknowledge it. You know, these are there's certain things that are happening out there that shouldn't be happening. And it, it can also be with your own life, too. If we go back up to the first verse, which I know you skipped over, yeah, go for it. It, it just says, Masters, and it, it, that, that could be boss. You know, mm -hmm. treat all the people that work for you, or, you know, uh, they call them servants, but everybody that works under you in, in today's corporate America, that could be multiple levels, whether you're you know, a first-level manager or something like that, to treat all of those the same, and then look for opportunities to speak to them. 
you know, just like you said, sending out that little email, that was, you know, that's a, just a small part of it, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing, you know, do you want to help? And that gives these folks an opportunity to, you know, get together with you and then you can have that dialogue, that utterance. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and um, the reason I skipped that first one is, um, yeah, as you, as you kind of, Go through Colossians. He talks about family relationships, and then uh, back then they had slaves. You know, obey your masters. Masters, you know, treat basically treat everybody um, the following as well. You're absolutely right from that perspective. Salt means, um, like you said, having the courage to take on the, the difficult conversations. Because you think about, um, I think about, I go back to when Jesus talked about being the salt of the earth, light of you know, um, light of the world. I'll get you to say, David. Um, you know, we're supposed to be different, right? We're supposed to be a beacon. So sometimes, and I can, and just in my lifetime, um, easier is the right word. I'd say that, you know, I'm 44 now, so say uh, 35 years ago, probably easier to be a Christian than it is today, socially. Because the reason why is that the Bible aligned a lot, a lot more with society, we'll call it. So it was easy for me to kind of fit in, me to kind of hide if I wanted to. But now the way society is going, it's, it's exposing more of the differences between the Bible and society. So now I have to be more of a salt, more of a light, and be able to have those conversations. David? Uh, as one who's not allowed to eat much salt, <laughs> I can tell you that seasoned with salt means make it tasteful. Speak it in love. Don't preach at them, but rather reason with them in love. I like that. If you guys didn't hear that, it was salt enhances the flavor, right? So do it, season it, season it with love, right? Uh, Paul uh, said, speaking the truth in love, speak, in Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, I like that, I really do. And... I think we've all met those people in our lives. Maybe we were those people at one point in our lives. Um, the word's tact. Um, have you met people that were tactful and tactless? <laughs> right? If you guys know what that word is, you know, being able to... Uh, tactless is just being able to just bluntly tell you. No matter if it hurts your feelings or not. <laughs> you just clobber them over the head with a sledgehammer. Where um, tactful is being able to gracefully season it with, with humility and love. One, one last thing, it just reminded me of it. When I first started making uh, calls in the home as a young preacher, taking my young wife with me, she very often said, David, stop preaching. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn to have a conversation and not preach. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to take the profession out of the man, right? <laughs> You're a preacher. <laughs> I like that. Um, so it, as we as we read through these these few script uh, verses, you know, we, we prayed, we asked for prayer for opportunities, we prayed for clarity for others to understand the message being presented, uh, be wise to have to speak to outsiders. You know, Paul's asking that for himself as he's a minister, but how applicable are all those to us? I mean, we, we could easily say, I'm not a minister, I'm not going to do that, right? Um, but that's, I think that gets us back into that mentality of, I'm going to send my money out to a foreign land out here. We, we totally forget about local evangelism. 
Um, I think it's Central, uh, Church of Christ and more. Um, but I've seen them all over the world. But um, I love the signs that we put, they put in the parking lot facing the parking lot so the outsiders can't see it. And as you drive away, it says, smile, you're entering a mission field. Right? And it kind of enforces that thought in your head that, hey, I'm leaving this place. And yeah, you're right. I, I am a spokesman for God right now. I'm a spokesman for Jesus. I'm a spokesman for his whole, um, his whole church right now. And it kind of enforces that, okay, how am I going to um, show myself to the world? What am I going to do? My actions will speak volumes, right? So, any thoughts? Yes. Um, with what you just talked about there, and then going back to the season with Saul. Yeah, think, go for it. The, one of the things that I do training at work, and I've got constantly people, new people coming in that I'm teaching to train. And one of the things that I tell them is that you can't just read the slides, and I'm applying that to, I can't just quote scripture to people. You have to have examples that you've seen and you've done to be able to share with them for them to understand what you're talking about. And I think we're oftentimes way too afraid to share the struggles and the things that went on in our life that apply to the scripture when we're talking to someone. Because it shows a vulnerability to me, right? Right. Yeah, right. And when we can do that, they understand more, I think, as, as you're trying to talk to somebody. And rather than just, you know, taking the scripture. Not that you don't want to do that, but you have to use both. And along the lines of teaching, because I, I train people too, the more times I give them an example of how I screwed up and how it affected everything I did afterwards, it gives them an example of why it's so important to do it the way I'm teaching them. Like I'll come across a certain thing and I'll say, well, you have to do it this way, and if you don't, here's what happens, and then I know that because I've done it. That's way more effective, and then when they understand what happens when they don't do it. So it's sharing your life and how you've screwed up and how God was there and how he got you out of it is what gets that relationship and helps them understand how important it is. I don't know why when you said that, it reminded me of raising kids. How many times when you raised your kids, have you said, I wouldn't do that? And of course, you know, the cocky kid's like, well, why do you say that? And then you have to go through some embarrassment past. Yeah, when I was your age, this is why I walk with a lip or whatever, you know. So, any other thoughts? I just thought that uh, salt was also used as a preservative in the food to make it bad. Have your words be something that will last. Have your words last so they don't forget, so they're not forgotten. And um, I remember one time, Dale, um, he and I were in some kind of conversation, and he said something. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But I just I stored it in the back of my mind, and it was probably either the next day or something, at least several hours later, it clicked. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. He just said it in such a way that, okay, that makes sense. You're right. You know, have those words stick and, um, and, yeah, make people think. Most definitely. I heard uh, Ricky was at you. Yeah. The, Paul was making this section here very personal. He, he's writing to the Christians and he says, devote yourself. Conduct yourself. Uh, and uh, let your speech 
very personal. So it's each of our responsibility. It's not the preacher's responsibility to do all the evangelism. It's not the elders. It's not the deacons. It's every person in their own way with their own talents to do them. Absolutely. It would be much easier on me if Jesus said, preachers, go. Then I could say, ha, 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 Jack, it's on you, buddy. <laughs> but no, 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 I'm included in that go. So you're right. It's, it's us. It's our responsibility. It's very personal upon us. Anything else? Yeah, to, to that end, the first part being kind of about Paul, and then it shifts to them, and then he finishes out. Like, he does a lot of his letters, but all of these people that have been serving with him and what they've been doing and what they've been up to. Um, and so I wonder if there isn't a lot of value in when we try to have these conversations, even if they haven't, we'll say, produced anything yet that we know of, uh, sharing those, oh, I spoke to my coworker, I did it together of kind of bringing us all into the group and saying, hey, that was great. You know, are you going to follow up with them? Or are you going to... And just sharing that together and realizing we're all playing our part as best we can and trying to have these interactions in our evangelism uh, instead of feeling isolated of, I need to talk to whoever, <clears throat> I'm not seeing anything happen, I failed, and am I the only one doing this, and, and all that. I'm glad you said that because actually depending on how far we were getting to our, uh, our lesson plan today, that was actually our homework. So, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say it now, and if we get to it, great. If you guys do it this, this week, great. Um, I want you to think. Well, let's, let's, let's back it up. That's for a good start. That's right, yeah, think. Thinking is good, right? I want you to think all the conversations that you have in a given day, right? Um, I want you to figure out a way, and I want to make it a little harder. If you know that, you know, if they go to church here, don't. Talk about spiritual things. I mean, yes, talk about spiritual things with them, but don't count this as, as your homework. Someone that you don't know their spiritual background, I want you to be able to bring, I don't want you to, well, yes, if you want to convert them, go ahead. But that's not the intention of this, of this homework assignment, we'll call it. Figure out a way to bring up some part of, of spirituality to them. Okay? Just, it could be a nugget, it could be a throwaway line. And then I want you I want to come back, and I want to, I want to hear next week as one of our discussion points, um, how to go. What was it and how did it go? Because to Jack's point, very much, I, I know what I know. It's called lessons learned. Have you guys ever heard of that? At the end of a project, um, where I work, we all get together. I'm a big process improvement guy. Um, we sit down, and we go, okay, here's how this whole pro program or process went. Um, we use a software methodology um, where I work called Agile where we do what they call sprints, so you two-week little sprints where we run and do software stuff, and then we do it again, and then we do it again, and we do a release. And at the end of that release, we sit down, we have what we call a retrospective, and the team says, okay, what went well, what didn't go well? What can we improve upon? What should we, you know, trash? And then we improve, and then we do it again. We do more sprints, more sprints, and so we always continually process improve. And so... I know, all I have to say, I know what I know, but I don't know what David knows. I don't know what Jack knows. I don't know what Dale knows, you know, so on and so forth. But you guys have a different way to approach a problem than I do. So if we share those lessons, then I can go, oh, yeah, that might work for me and try it out, right? So we're going to come back next week and we're going to try that 
and see um, how it worked for you and just kind of have a discussion about it. I just kind of maybe open up class with it. But with that said, my next question to the group here is, on a scale of one to 10, how difficult is it for you as an individual to bring up spiritual matters in those conversations? And I'm talking about with those that you don't know their spiritual background. Maybe a coworker or, or a, you know, someone you meet, like a grocery store person that's uh, checking you out or something like that. 10 being the hardest? I will say 10 being the hardest, one being these, like easy, like rolls off the tongue. So you guys throw numbers at me. I'm not, I'm not judging, so. Four. Four? Situational. Depends on the mood I'm in that day. Absolutely. Depends on how, busy how much I am. energy I have, how busy I am, how worried I am about getting into a long conversation with someone because I've got somewhere else to go. But so overall, I probably, for me, I'm, some of y'all haven't realized this, I'm very talkative. No. Probably a two or three for me. I'd say for me, guys, where I am, it's it's very situational. So, um, and and the probably think about all your conversations. Not all conversations are going to lead towards something spiritual. Um, I was trying to think of a funny example of probably where you shouldn't go, but you know, up until. I mean, sports, up until last week, right? I, in my mind, I couldn't think of a, a transition into, if we're talking about the, the football game last week, right, and how awesome it was, how would you deviate that to something spiritual, you know? That was a Goliath move, but who's Goliath? You know, they, I don't know. <laughs> Cheesy. He, but, tack, he tackled him like Satan jumping on somebody. That's right. <laughs> he ran into like a, the end zone like a, right, a white horse. What? Um, he's a horrible, I'm sorry. He's <laughs> coming off the top of my head. But all that to say, I mean, up until, you know, the, the issues that um, Ricky talked about on Wednesday, you know, with uh, DeMar, is that how you say his name? DeMar, um, as he had the cardiac arrest, you know, and, and you see people like praying, you know, you got sports commentators praying, you got people in the um, field praying, you see, you know, banners and everything else the following week saying pray for him. You're like, hey, <coughs> you know, I guess that's an easy way to talk about, you know, the segue into to the sports. So I understand not all conversations lead to sports. Um, I'm sorry. That is a true statement. <laughs> not all conversations lead to God. <laughs> But, you know, those that, that are, you know, um, I would say I'm kind of like with Tracy. Um, sometimes um, it's easier if the conversation's leading that way to bring in God, you know, especially when someone's hurting, um, has a loss. Um, I've told many of you guys um, the position that I'm in. It just seems the last since the pandemic, um, a lot of mental issues going on, depression, isolation, Things like that. Um, we're, I, I think we're getting better. At least from what I see, we're getting better. But a lot of those have crept up. So we've had. I've had to have a lot of com, like hard conversations about things like that. And it always helps um, if you have a solid foundation of belief to help you through some of that resilience. And so that's areas where I've been able to kind of creep in some of the more spiritual aspects and talk about it with them and see, um, you know, kind of where they are in life. Is that like a situation where you say, well, all these people here pray, pray. And yeah, I think a lot of them believe in God and know to pray for God, but <clears throat> they understand the salvation of Jesus. Do they have any clue at all? 
I um, say I'm a majority. I'm not. Yeah, you, you really don't so, at that point. Yeah, I mean, in, uh, pray, I mean, the word pray is such a loaded word. Because you have to be very careful, at least I think I have to be very careful the way that I use that word because it can be very dismissive. Does that make sense? Like, oh, I just lost my um, whatever, I lost my mother. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll be praying for you. You know, if, if you didn't know me and my background and how what prayer means to me, that could be very dismissive to that individual, right? Oh, oh yeah, you don't care. Prayers and thoughts, thanks, woo, you know. Or it could be like, oh, that really does mean something. Um, I mean, when how do you guys feel when someone comes to you and says, I've been praying for you? That's who comes and says it to me. <laughs> right, right. I mean, does it make you feel good? Makes you feel special? Makes you feel, I don't know, I, I don't know what the right words are. I, I fail with words and emotions sometimes. Anna? I, speaking from oh. my experience, I've never known anybody to be insulted by my telling them I was going to pray for them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if they're not religious. Right. You're expressing interest and concern. Well, and some of them, it's the examples I was thinking of, some of them were like in the political realm. Uh, uh, school shootings and stuff is kind of where I've seen it. Right after school shootings, a lot of people, my thoughts and prayers are with the schools, and then people politicize it and say, oh, yeah, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, let's do gun control. Right? So they kind of divide that, that issue. And so... Uh, it's, it, well, I haven't paid attention lately, but I'd say about six months to a year ago, that was getting pretty pretty divisive. Mm -hmm. The only time I can think of that somebody saying they were going to pray for me did not impress me is when I was trying to raise money as a missionary. <laughs> oh, no. say, <laughs> we're not going to give you any money, but we'll pray for you. Yeah. And I'm afraid my thought was, if your prayer was worth 10 cents, you wouldn't even give me that. Yeah, that's fair. Very fair. <coughs> and uh, you know, I was going to say that on occasion, so when someone tells me they're praying for me, it kind of depends on who they are, whether or not. I mean, I always appreciate it. But if I know there's someone that actually is going to and I trust them because of the way they live their life, it means a lot more to me. But I will also say I have known people, um, like there's a lady I know uh, last several years, she's a Wiccan. And she does get offended. If you say things like that, it will offend. And so I try to live my life in such a way that they know that it means so much to me that even if it means nothing to them, I mean a lot by that because I do believe in God and I do believe that he will work in that situation. So it is more than just thoughts and prayers. And the other thing I do to try to mitigate that, like, oh, thanks for nothing, is um, I try to be mindful of saying, you know, I pray that the Lord of all comfort will, will wrap his arms around you. I try to be more specific in saying, I'm going to pray for you in these specific ways. I'm going to call on God in these specific ways and these attributes of his that will come into this situation. So they know that it's not like, a, oh, I said a fleeting two-second prayer for you and now I don't care. Um, so those are things I try to be mindful of. Has anyone ever thought about, and I'll get you with you, Drake, I'll get you in a second. Has anyone ever thought about um, stopping right there with the individual and saying a prayer? Yes. Powerful. We always say, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you in tonight's <laughs> prayers, right? They're kind of the, at least when I read that, sometimes it's the way I interpret it. But yeah, stop and have a prayer with them. Drake. Um, so when it comes to that, like, where it's like when people say, oh, prayers aren't doing anything, I, well, I of course believe prayers do do something. But like, the way I've also I've recently started to think about it is like, well, of course we want to pray for something, but provided it is something that you personally can do something about, um, you can pray and then maybe help it out, like maybe you were the answer to the prayer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if you guys didn't hear that, sometimes we thought about, from the perspective of, you know, you say the prayer, but have you thought about, something, is there something I can do for them? Maybe I'm the answer to their prayer? It's a very, very valid uh, statement. Quick, quick comment? Yeah, absolutely. Going into that, adding something spiritual to the conversation, you mentioned lady at the checkout, right? Mm-hmm. Or guy. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> me and <about> now. <laughs> I had someone with Alphiers the other day checking me out, like, okay, that's but, awesome. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's really easy when you have that real pleasant, happy person that's checking you out and they say God bless you to return a God bless you or, to, or engage in a brief conversation. But when you've got the one that looks like their day is going all to pot and their life is terrible and they've got a big frown on their face, use that opportunity to just say, is there something that I can pray for you about? And then wait for a response. You know, I don't, I don't mind. And, and if, depending on the line, which obviously is the problem most of the time, take the opportunity to pray for them right there, yeah. even if it's brief. But and my calling, don't take that as everyone thinks prayers, you know, non-legit. I mean, it's it's, it's more of a um, you got to feel it out. Every situation is different, right? And you can't assume that just by how they look or what their facial feature is that they're not willing to listen to you because there's that one. When I was at Walmart, there was the guy that had the oh, hat yeah. that it blatantly had a four-letter horrible cuss word on the front and a hand with flipping off on the back. Hand gestures and yes. profanity on the front that was not asterisked and special charactered out. Yes. And he had tattoos, not the tattoos are bad, but he had tattoos all up and down his body. And, you know, you look at him and you go, hmm, okay, maybe a little rugged. Yeah, and I, I thought, oh, he's not going to want to talk or do anything. And so I was doing my regular talk with the checkout person because I was trying to talk to them. And I had, and I was like, what can I talk about? And I was like, oh, these are the ingredients for the band uh, cook things. So I was like, oh, um, yeah, you see, I've got all this stuff i got to bake. And just started talking to her about that. And I told her about the pie auction that we were having at the high school band. Well, the guy with the hat pipes up and said, when is that? Man, I need some pie. And, I, and then I started talking more to him than I did the checkout lady. And he was on the phone with his mom, of all people, talking, like, asking if she's okay. And it's like, man, I just, you can't. Can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Right? yeah. So sometimes uh, you, you don't know where they are. Um, and, and on the flip side, sometimes that person that's smiling and smiling, you don't know what's going on in their life. You just think, man, they're curmudgeon. There's a, but you don't realize what, what they've dealt with. Go there's ahead. a lady at Lowe's in that express checkout. Yes. I always talk to her, and I always let her know that I don't care what about. I've got to come there to listen to her. See, I encourage her all the time. And her fellow employees will be like, if she's not there, I was like, why are you not singing? Like, I can't think of her name, but you, they all know who I'm talking about. You know, come on. I love that line. Let everybody know. If you're checking out, she's singing the hymns. It's just singing that. singing the hymns constantly. You meet that person for a small amount of their world shift, right? I sometimes join in with her. So yeah, that's right. I love going there. So, and, then, and that puts that much of an impression on you. Just think of what you could do as you as you step through that in your life. So, you guys, this has been an awesome class. Thank you for the discussion. We've made it legitly like three quarters of one page on my notes. So, you guys have saved me from having to cram some more material on my note page for next week. We're going to continue on into uh, conversational evangelism. And next week, we're actually going to jump into two examples that Dr. North uses um, and talk through those, and then. Uh, don't forget your homework. I'm, I'm really curious to see how you guys implement that conversational portion.
and then we're going to talk about um, that'll actually be feed into one of the, the topic points next week of um, how we can do that to better ourselves. And then we're going to kind of use those as baby steps as we move and kind of continue to build this momentum into evangelizing. So, uh, with that, that clock says I'm two minutes past. Um, I haven't heard the bell, but uh, I'm going to give you whatever times remaining back to you guys. So, I appreciate you guys. Thank you.